It's Wednesday, December 28, 2011. This is Macworld Podcast number 277. And I'd like to apologize for everybody here at Macworld because it's time for our year-end edition of the Macworld Pundit Showdown. That's right, everybody. The Macworld Pundit Showdown is back. But with me, Editorial Director Jason Snell, as your host, as I did last year, I thought this would be a nice year-end tradition. I will usurp the uh, the spot as the host of the Macworld Pundit Showdown and use it to uh, perform a uh, an episode of the Pundit Showdown that involves some of the finest minds in punditry in the technology world who were available today. <laughs> So let me introduce my guests. First, from Seattle, Washington, expert in all things technical, especially when it it regards fonts or wireless technology, ladies and gentlemen, Macworld senior contributor, Glenn Fleischman. Thank you for that introduction. I'm going to walk about a mile on my treadmill while we record this podcast. Yes, keep treading, Glenn. Also joining us today. Beloved columnist, Chicago Sun-Times columnist for technology, Macworld senior contributor. You know him. You love him. You can't live without him. It's Andy Yanotko. Andy Yanotko, hi. Welcome. I think it's boring, but I think I've decided to go with Helvetica. Uh, for <laughs> you, you, sent, you, you sent some notes for us to read. I think I'm going to use that font for the notes on my screen. Really? No Arial? I, I, I use Zapp's Dingbat personally. I, actually, I, th- I thought about Arial, but I went back on it. There's something about the ligatures that I just don't like about it. I mean, you know, again, Helvetica, it's boring, but it's it's dirty. There's, there's a reason why classics are classics. My next guest is the Comic Sans of the Pundit Showdown. He's from Boston. He's a Macworld Senior Associate Editor. He is Dan Morin. So glad to have our, our city namesake band here. Um, I was glad that they could perform in the in the studio for us since they're not really doing much else right now. Um, I was pleased to be here, as Jason said, because he couldn't uh, – I think these exact words to me were, uh, you'll be on the show on Monday unless I can find someone better. Yes. I didn't. Actually, <laughs> side, side question. Are we actually broadcasting from a Chevy van at 1983-1984? Yes. Because if, if so, you've chosen the perfect soundtrack. Thank you. That's what I was going for. Now, last, our contestant – who who fulfills the fourth slot in the Pundit Showdown today. A first-time contestant on the Macworld Pundit Showdown. He he has never before appeared as a contestant, but he's always appeared as the host. Ladies and gentlemen, his first time in the contestant chair. Now the tables are turned, aren't they? <laughs> it's Philip Michaels. Phil, welcome to the show. Thank you, comrade. Um, I was waiting to talk until I had been properly introduced, as as all good guests do. <laughs> Only the rudest of guests uh, talk over their introduction. What? So, um, thank you for that, and thank you for, for having me. This is a terrible idea. I want that on the record right yes. now. Yes, you as a contestant. Yes. How's this going to go? And you as a host. And Awful yeah. ideas. Oh. All around. Why we'll am I trapped in here with the two of we them? We will see about that. <laughs> yes, last year, of course, you couldn't host the, the year-end Pundit Showdown because you were on paternity I, I was leave. on paternity leave, but now I'm, I'm here having not produced any more children in the past year. Yes. That should world, be motivation enough. The world thanks you. Mm. So let's get started. I, let me explain the rules for newbies such as Philip Michaels. Yes. <laughs> How does this work again? Uh, I'm going to give you points for punditry. And, Are, and wacky, zany, morning zoo-style sound effects will accompany me. Surely there can not be multiple point levels for answers. <laughs> Indeed there are. I, oh. I should, Phil, this, it's strange. You may discover that this show is similar to a podcast you listen to from the BBC called Fighting Talk. Mm. But that's about soccer. This is about technology. Right. And also we love them and they shouldn't sue us for stealing their bit. Okay. If, you, if, you, if you please me slightly, you will receive one point, which sounds like this. Why, that's a classic Mac startup sound. Mm-hmm. For two points, if you ex- exceptionally please me, you'll receive this sound. Boom. Our classic Steve Jobs boom. That is an awesome sound, Jason. It is awesome, isn't it? It will make everybody happy to hear it. All the awesome. listeners who appreciate the work that you do and the work that you do, not only on this podcast, but also as the figurehead 
ends life and soul. He's he's trying to get points history. before the game started. I, I rule a foul. I'm sorry. Yeah, and, and, are we? Are we? Are we actually? So now, if you get three points, it would, that would that would be that would be true if we were actually recording now. But this is like the pre-show, so we sure. haven't actually started, so it doesn't even count. Clearly, oh, for, if you if you really please me, you'll get, oh my god, you'll we're recording. Full, you'll oh, get a full god. three points, which sounds a little bit like this. <laughs> I do enjoy the fact that we're five minutes into your hosting gig and you've already lost control of the <laughs> yes, show. That's true. I'm about to reassert control, however, because lost for sucking up to me, Andy and Ico, that sound means you've just lost a point. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine, yes. Well, given your, your sterling performance a year ago, you, you've got points to give. You, you, you realize that if, you, if I get like far enough behind on points and I realize that I can never win this, then my entire purpose for the rest of the show would be to undermine you and everybody else. Right. That's the, called the Adam Inc. strategy. Exactly. <laughs> you get far enough, that works you can, so well, he wasn't invited If you back. get far around enough on negative points, you wrap around to positive points? Yeah, you can shoot the moon, actually. <laughs> no, you just go to words with friends and you buy more. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Friends so, or words? And now... If see, boy, Phil, this job is hard. It's very hard. How do you how do you do it? Well, I, well, the first thing you do is you assemble a much better panel than the one you all have. Right. All right, let's let's check the scores. So far, we have three guys: Dan, Phil, and Glenn on zero, and Andy Anaco picking up the rear at minus one. Now, time for our first question, and it is this: two thousand seven was the year of the iPhone. 2010, the year of the iPod, uh, the iPad. What has been the most important product released in the Apple universe in 2011? And we'll start here with Dan Morin. Ah, yes. So, the year of the iPhone, 2007. The year of the iPad, 2010. I think I said 2011, the year of the cloud. Uh, I would say iCloud is the most important product. It's a little rough. It's had a sort of a shaky start, but I think it's a single uh, signals a really important shift for Apple uh, away from a device centric data model to something that's a little more. Uh, it's everywhere. It's ubiquitous. It's here to uh, to show us that we don't need to be afraid of the of the World Wide Web, the Internet, the information superhighway. We can have all our data no matter where we go. All right, Philip Michaels. You know, um, while there's something to be said for cards in its wonderful um, letterpress format, um, I think when we look back on 2011, we're going to be talking about iOS 5. This is the um, the uh, operating system update that I really think establishes the uh, iPad, the iPhone, the iPod Touch as devices that can, can live beyond uh, the Mac because of over-the-air updates. And you also throw in things like AirPlay mirroring, a very difficult word to pronounce as we've learned in past podcasts. Um, uh, just a number of features, I think, that make the iOS devices come into their own. All right. Very good. Lots of points there. Andy and Notco, what say you? I have to say it's the 11-inch Air because insistently it can encapsulate everything that Apple's doing right. It's not just one service iCloud. It's not just the idea of iOS. It's not just the thing that came the year after the iPad. It's the idea that this is the device that was the residue of every other technology they've been building pretty much since Apple came in. Uh, excuse me, ever since uh, Steve Jobs came in. It's the battery life of the iPad. It's the form factor of the iPad. It's the instant start. It's the idea of dot Documents becoming less relevant, so much, so much as you got software that can handle it for you. Uh, it's all about uh, iCloud, making sure that this is just another thing that you're using to put bits into that that big truthy cloud of iCloud. Uh, it is and it enhances iTunes. It enhances pretty much everything else they do. It's nice to it's it's nice to have iCloud. I wouldn't want to pick it because. The cloud has a lot of dead things in it. It's a, it's a smog cloud right now. It occasionally settles down upon all of us to create tension, insanity, and discomfort. Uh, but the 11-inch Air is the universally awesome articulation of everything that Apple's been driving towards since Steve Jobs came back to Apple. All right. Glenn Fleischman, what well, about you? I, I want to grow a goatee and do the negative side of the cloud, even though iCloud was already covered by Dan Moore and a little by Andy. iCloud, I think, shows Apple's misunderstanding of what a cloud is and the consumer market. Uh, iCloud is, it's hardly a cloud. A cloud is a way for you to be distinct and separate from your physical devices. Instead, iCloud makes you copy everything to all of your devices. It's less a cloud than a, than a boat anchor. And the early startup problems have been worked out, but it's still 
it's not really what Google is doing with the cloud, even if you don't like Google. Google frees us to use anything we want anywhere as long as we're being constantly observed and having all of our actions scrutinized. But Apple is requiring us to use their devices, to use Lion. It's a pain for all the Snow Leopard users and previous users out there. And I think it demonstrates not their contempt, but their misunderstanding of those pesky individual users and their individual needs. So... Are you saying that iCloud is the most important product released in 2011, or are you just saying I am, no. about iCloud? No, here's <laughs> what I'm saying. I'm saying it's important because it signals as Apple becomes much more of this consumer, it continues to move into this consumer market. Consumers are, are ugly and messy, and iCloud shows that they don't really know how to execute as perfectly on that to explain to people and give them what they need. I think I think it's a I think it's a good moment for Apple too because iCloud proves that they're ready to enter the next phase of sophistication as a technology company, the phase in which they decide they don't really care very much about how well things work. <laughs> I, I, I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm wondering how our audience of consumers is going to respond to the fact that a panelist just called them ugly and messy. I yes, think our I, I think I like our Apple, listeners are handsome <laughs> and wonderful. Sucking girls. up to the audience. Down a point, <laughs> Phil. And Glenn, because you didn't really answer the question except to do a, a litany of negative things about iCloud, which um, Dan already talked about, you get a point off as well. <gasps> so moving on to the next question. Uh, this year, Walter Isaacson wrote a 571-page long biography of Steve Jobs. Who else in the tech business merits a biography that could lay waste to that many trees? And we'll start with Andy Anotko. Well, let's look at all the features of this biography, chiefly that it was very long and it came out at exactly the right time to sell lots and lots of copies. Uh, so I'm going to choose Leo Apotheker of HP. Uh, all we got to do really oh. is open up his day planner from November 2010 to this September, do a select all, do a copy, new document, paste. That's like 580 pages right there, uh, just as a cut and paste. It'll cover his entire tenure. We'll hear all the entire sordid details about how he just, he took a company once proud that was hovering close to the ground and crashed it right into the ground gracelessly but yes it was 28 inches over the ground when he got it but man he got a lot of velocity in there uh, when he got, got hold of the controls. Uh, the basic idea is that we can get this in, out, and on the Amazon Kindle store in something under a day. Very nice. Glenn Fleischman. Well, Steve Ballmer is the obvious subject because he's bigger than life in every way. You know, he grew up a life of privilege as a child, a life of privilege as a high schooler in college, and, and then as a billionaire. So, of course, it's a fascinating life we want to hear more about. But the biggest trick, of course, is the book has to be big. It's got to be two, three, by, two feet by three feet. It's going to cost $800. It's going to be delivered next Christmas, a year after it's promised. And it'll also have inside it several smaller books that all have the same type size, but you're expected to read all of them. All right, very nice. Dan Morin. Well, while I'd like to see a 5,000-page lyrical epic written entirely in Japanese verse about Oracle CEO Larry Ellison, <laughs> the clear cool. answer for me is Microsoft chairman and co-founder Bill Gates. Not only did he help drive the PC era and establish software as a viable consumer product, but he also went on to become a major force for philanthropy as well. Um, so it, in summation, it's either that or it's a collection of aphorisms about the formal Google, former Google CEO entitled Schmidt My Dad Says. <laughs> very well phil try uh, top that well i in in some ways i can't because like dan Morin says bill gates is the obvious answer we in the mac community tend to think of him as a pantomime villain but it's it's really an interesting life and uh, a nice uh comparison to steve jobs but perhaps the answer is a little bit too obvious the book that i want to read is a biography of uh, Research in Motion's co-CEOs, Jim, Jim Basili and Mike Lazardus, because I, I, I think that it would be a nice highlights for children kind of, kind of goofus to Steve Jobs' gallant, and um, that's what I'm really looking for in my, in my biographies. All right. Excellent answers all. Uh, moving on to our next question. In a great moment in technology, publishing, and journalism, Brooke Crothers, blogger for CNET, declared that John Gruber's Daring Fireball site, quote, offers some solid analysis, but in the end, it's a fanboy site. Time for the iron fist and the velvet glove, gentlemen. Who would you like to praise and then insult? Dan Morin. 
<laughs> well, let me say first, CNET, that you did a great job uncovering the inherent <laughs> bias in Apple blogs. That's some really first-rate reporting there. Boom. Now, if only you could bring some scrutiny to another important matter, for example, your own endless publishing of insipid top ten lists, or the fact that your download.com site is apparently distributing malware. <laughs> um, <I> think- <laughs> really, the only answer is to turn the mirror upon yourself. Oh, lots of points there. Glenn Fleischman. Well, Consumer Reports, I loved you. I always consulted your ratings. I trusted you implicitly. You're the greatest publication for consumers that was ever created, except you've gone totally insane, and I no longer trust you. Consumer Reports doesn't have it in for Apple as much as I think they got the story wrong about the iPhone 4 antenna, and then they doubled down with craziness on the iPhone 4S. So it's hard for me to trust buying a washing machine based on Consumer Reports ratings when they tell me that the iPhone 4S suffers from a tiny screen and a lack of nearly non-existent 4G networking, which, of course, I, I, I really need and I miss terribly. Very nice. Andy Anatko. Um, I think I'd like to praise then insult John Gruber. Uh, <laughs> I, I love Darren Everyone's Fireball. doing it these days. Go, go in the other order. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll go for the double bluff. I mean, it's a great site. The, the links are always very, very interesting and vital to the news of the day. Uh, when he does analysis, it's always from a very, very deeply considered point of view. And even in those rare occasions when I disagree with him, his arguments are presented in such a way that it forces me to at least try to understand my own beliefs in a little bit sharper relief. Um, now, as far as insults go, um, uh John Gruber, you're just like Bruce Willis. You were big in the 80s, and now you've been replaced by Ashton Kutcher. Uh, on Two and a Half Men tonight, John Gruber, they're apparently having a funeral for your character, but there's no need to switch over because in a few months, we can all probably see the real thing. I, I think I've let him had enough, so I'd like to... That's, 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 that's the end of what I had prepared. All right. Yes, you prepared that. Interesting. Phil, go ahead. Well, um, first off, I want to give full credit to uh, to Brooke Crothers of CNET for um, uh, underscoring how many terrible things are written on the internet by writing a terrible thing on the internet. <laughs> um, but I think I would like to praise a former colleague of ours, Jim Dalrymple. Jim um, uh, has an excellent site, The Loop. Uh, he's a great uh, source for Mac news. He's uh, well uh, well tuned to the Mac community. Has great sources. But boy, do I hate getting my Mac news from a guy who dresses like a hobo and <laughs> and has this I, – I understand the beard is part of the look, Jim, but maybe maybe give it a trim once every 10 years. And I happen to know for a fact that his cohort, Peter Cohen, does not wear pants while reporting on the Mac news. It's a frightening scene all around there at the loop. <sighs> wow. OK. Full points there. Good God. We are – we are – uh, oh man, we're making a lot of friends today. Going off are the rails all, on a crazy train. crazy train. Yes. Are we all, do we all lose today so far? I yes, so. yes. In a recent ep- episode, next, next question of Mac Break Weekly, Andy Anatko, who is on this very podcast, described Scrivener as one of the great mm-hmm. Mac apps. If you had a stock Mac and could only download three apps to augment it, which apps would you choose and why? Let's go with a man himself who inspired this question, Andy Anatko. Well, okay. Uh, one third of my answer has been prepared for me. Uh, it's obviously going to be Scrivener because it is just, uh, especially when you made it with a machine like the MacBook Air, the idea of this one app that can organize all of your projects, everything that has to do with writing, whether you're doing something very, very practical and very, very functional, like I've got to write a simple 2000 word report to someone in my line of work where I got to write two or three newspaper columns a week. I've got to write magazine columns. I've got to have a couple of books in production at one time. It's the only one app that will do absolutely everything for me. Uh, keep track of everything. And every time I think that it, la- I'll need a, a separate word processor for a different kind of function, I find out that, oh, it turns out that in the manual, the Scrivener does have a special function just for transcribing audio into into actual words. So I don't need to download that extra four ninety nine app from the App Store. Uh, I really, 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 really wish that it, they had some sort of an iPad app at some point uh, because the times when I've been using Pages, it's only because I might want to take off for three days just with my iPad. But I still live within Scrivener. It's the I think it's the one app that I probably couldn't really do without. My second choice would be Omni Outliner 
because if we're going with now we're sort of moving into desert island discs technology uh, territory where we have to figure out we can <coughs> only we're going to put three apps on here to they'll take care of just about everything omni outliner is like silly putty you oh. can make it do whatever you want it to do if you want it to be something that will organize all your thoughts where i know i got to write a, either fiction nonfiction, or a presentation i just need to dump all my ideas down and then i'll, I'll need an app that can let me just shove those things around to organize it and make them more effective omni is definitely your, your definitely your app if you need something to do calculations it can be better than a spreadsheet more more effective if you need something to lay things out correctly it'll do that it seems like every time that i need to have in, uh, write information in a very orderly and organized fashion and be able to reorganize it on a whim Omni Outliner is the way to go. I mean, I've, uh, for for several presentations, I won't even start it in Pages anymore. I will start it in Omni Outliner because I can then export it, uh, believe, export it as a file that uh, that will turn itself into a keynote presentation. So it really is the app that bespeaks other apps. The third app, I would like to choose Xcode. Uh, because it is the app that lets me write other apps. I've had Xcode on every single machine uh, that I've Mac that I've had since Xcode was released. I almost oh I, I always use it for all kinds <coughs> of Apple script development. I use it for really really stupid uses of just having to install uh, bits of code that people have sent me or make modifications to code that people have sent me. I keep in I've got the I've got a lovely and pretty much authoritative collection of iOS development books that I really honest to God, intend to actually open and use some of these days. I've In my heart, I know that I would install Xcode. I would probably not make any real use of it. So my third choice would actually be Aperture. Uh, absolutely, absolutely love it. Uh, it's a great app for, I, I do so much time, spend so much time with photography and all this sort of stuff that I couldn't be able to do in Photoshop because I'm not that kind of an expert. It turns out that if I just want to highlight a certain section or fix some skin tones, it's actually a lot easier just to move a couple sliders around an aperture than to do anything else. So it's the one app that I find the most pleasant of all of Apple's pro apps. I- I'm sorry, I stepped out for a sandwich. Can you repeat all that? <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was quite detailed. That was that, thorough. This is, this is our content section of the podcast. Now we can have no content from here on out. I'm, I was, I'm not caring about points. I'm caring about the education and the influence I can of have. Of our handsome listeners. Our listeners. And, and he exactly. brings knowledge. Yes. Thank Dan you. Morin, how about you? BB Edit, Butler, and Perrion. I'm going for brevity. And do you want me, you want me to spend that you out? Can, you can expound slightly. Well, BB Edit. I mean, obviously, it's the it's the text editor sine qua non of text editors. It's, it does everything. Um, it lets me if I need to make a website, I can make a website. If I need to write articles, I can write articles. Um, and pretty much, I I don't think I even tapped ten percent of what it can do. But you know, suffice to say, it's a powerful app. Butler. Everybody loves their launcher of choice. Mine is Many Tricks at Butler. I've been using it for years. It does everything from let me launch my apps to pop in snippets of text or uh, make macros, anything I want to do. That's great. Perion is a great little app that's actually sort of a preference pane, lets you watch video of any format, which is great. So it doesn't matter what it is. You can open it, play it back in right in the QuickTime native player there. Excellent work. Phil Michaels. Um, I'm I'm – I'm a little grumpy now because uh, uh, Andy took Omni Outliner and Dan Morin just took BB Edit, and you prepare backup answers, and then your back your your backup gets snaked. This is a really hard show, isn't it's it? It's a very hard <laughs> show. It's also hard when there's a question about iOS apps, which I know a thing or two about, and that gets that gets cut from the show at the last minute. Yeah, um, complaining about uncut or uh, un- yeah. about cut questions. So please. you know, Omni Outliner, BB Edit, both great apps. I'll also say uh, for BB Edit the. Um, the CEO of that company is a lovely dinner companion if you have a chance to, to ever dine with Rich Siegel. As people um, uh, may know from looking at me, I, I enjoy eating. So I'll, I'll throw in a Paprika Recipe Manager, which um, is a database for your recipes and also has syncing to those iOS devices, which I, I know a thing too about. And because I, I have no in- interior life, I need games. So I'm going to say FIFA 12. Excellent. Glenn Fleischman, round us out. <clears throat> well, I am uh, no fan of or no uh, enemy to repetition, so I'm going to pick BB Edit as well because I'll tell you, like Scrivener, it's the only program that I need on my machine to be useful. If I had nothing else on my computer, I could actually use BB Edit to read email through cell, shell sessions in its special <laughs> shell sheets and things like that. So, in in the event of an emergency, deploy BB Edit, and it could do pretty much everything except be an operating system. Okay, so I'm going to give you credit for novel uses of BB Edit. He's 
exactly. And, and uh, somebody already said BB-8. So there you go. Oh, next. You know, that's my life. Proton, anti-proton. Uh, graphic <laughs> converter, which is a maddening program, but on the other hand, it's incredibly useful. So I'm willing to put up with the strange revisions as they move through the years. It's a very inexpensive imaging editing program Boom. that does all the cropping, editing, format changing. It'll open the weird icon format you use for the favorite icon on websites and all the rest. So it's an incredible tool for any image processing if you can get past the interface. And finally, Numbers. I, I don't like Excel. Never liked it. Numbers is not a fabulous app in terms of all the power it has, but I just need a spreadsheet sometimes. I need to add some numbers together. I need to do some charts and things. And you pull numbers out and you got it. So those three apps, maybe you get a graphic converter and Numbers, I could do pretty much everything I need to do with just them. All right. Let's check the scores. In the lead with 17 is Dan Morin. Shocking. Coming in second with 16 is Philip Michaels. Third place, just a little bit behind at 14, Glenn Fleischman. And bringing up the rear so far, our favorite. It's a shocker, Andy Anatko. He's at 13. That's okay. I'll just play with these sleigh bells for the rest of the show. Ah. (laughs) Yay. Someone gave him a soundboard. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a real-life soundboard. Let's move on to our next question, and it is the golden envelope question. Match my answer, get five bonus points. Here's the question. Disney CEO Robert Iger has filled an empty slot on Apple's board of directors. Who should Apple keep in mind the next time there's an opening on its board? And let's start with our leader, Dan Morin. You know, this is a great question. I looked over Apple's board, and I noticed something. The youngest person on Did you say this is a great question? It's a great question. Phil wrote this question for the last Pundit Showdown, so point for Phil. (laughs) (laughs) He's not in the lead anymore. I want to go home now. Uh, No, I looked over Apple's board, and I noticed something interesting. The youngest person on Apple's board is Tim Cook, and he's 51. So I thought, you know, they need some youth. They need something hip, some some web-savvy maybe. And for that reason, I'd pick Twitter co-founder and Square CEO Jack Dorsey. Boom. He seems to inspire a lot of the same loyalty and passion that Steve Jobs did. And he also holds a lot of the same values about des- design and simplicity and elegance. And I think plus his work with Square could really help play into these rumors that Apple wants to turn your iPhone into a payment device. So he's got a lot of the right contacts. Um, he sort of hits a demographic that I don't think Apple necessarily gets input from on their executive board. Um, I think he'd be a huge asset. All right. Good one. We will go to Phil Michaels next. Well, I think you just have to look at Apple's recent financial performance to, to figure out that there there are a lot of sound minds to deal with the business aspects of Apple on that board. So I think that uh, the next opening should go to someone who, you know, just for fun. Um, <laughs> you know, Patton Oswalt, the comedian – the, the the board meetings would be a lot funnier then. The Cohen brothers, I know, are big fans of Final Cut Pro. Think of the promotional videos they could produce for Apple. George Clooney, of course, is debonair and handsome, like all Mac users. Uh, Herman Cain, I think, needs a job. and But I think my choice would be me, because then Apple might return my calls. <laughs> oh. uh, master class there from the guy who hosts the show. Glenn Fleischman, what say you? Well, it's got to be Mark Zuckerberg, of course, because you need somebody on the board who's ultimately going to betray the company, like Eric Schmidt. And <laughs> since Eric's gone, you got to get Mark in there. And then Mark will, you know, they'll get Ping working finally, because we really, you know, there's nothing I need more than to constantly be sharing my music references with other people, preferences, and, and, and that can get integrated with Facebook. And Apple can give up all of these various social networks that they're working on, because Tim Cook, of course, will utterly trust Mark Zuckerberg in every way until he's stabbed in the back and kicked off the board. Or poked. All right. Andy. Uh, well, Iger is, I mean, we, we look at the balance of the board of directors. I, too, looked at the list, and Iger is yet another dancer singer. Um, I think we need someone who has more vocal strengths rather than the dancing. Or, I mean, this might even be the time to get in a board member who's just a straight-up actor, someone with good improv credentials, just sort of round out the talent pool that's available uh, for Apple Cupertino Productions. Uh, So the name that I would put forward is Gary Sinise. (laughs) 
he oh. flew he, he flew as the backup pilot on uh, Apollo 10 uh was supposed to be the lunar module pro- as the uh the uh, command module pilot on Apollo 13 went on to command Apollo 16 at least in the movies uh as an actor his he has experience as the co-founder of the Steppenwolf Theater Company uh so he has good organizational skills he knows how to not only come up with a vision but also execute that vision and work with creative professionals uh and uh, with some luck by 2015 we could elevate apple to getting a national tour of say one of the minor shepherd plays very nice uh nobody matched my answer bob Iger's on the board who's next cbs's less moonfist of course <laughs> eventually oh, all the networks will be represented on <laughs> apple's board and what could possibly go wrong next question there's a lot of talk about the MacBook Air being the future of Apple's laptop line overall. Is the MacBook Pro doomed or is the ascendance of the MacBook Air a little bit overstated? Let's start with Glenn Fleischman. I, I think the MacBook Air is a fantastic machine. I don't think its importance can be overstated because sure. it's the future of the company. The company is moving away from – maybe moving away from more traditional professional desktop towers like the Mac Pro. It's clearly going to be selling and has been selling a lot more MacBook Airs. The future of storage is fixed SSDs, not this spinning crazy stuff that goes bad. But 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 that said, the MacBook Pro still has a very strong position because some people want a terabyte of storage and 16 gigs of RAM and a huge screen to do all their video editing and other professional work on. So the MacBook Pro, I can't see it going away because it can simply make too much money for Apple with too high a margin among less sensitive uh, people who are less sensitive to paying that price because they need, you know, they're the last people who need that FireWire 800 interface and they're going to go for it. Folks, that's how you answer a pundit showdown question, which is both ways. <laughs> Philip Michaels. <laughs> Thank you. Thank well, um, I think there will always be room for a bigger Mac, uh, and there'll have to be for, for some of the, the size that the MacBook Pro brings to the table. Boom. Um, like Glenn says, the MacBook Air is clearly where the action is at, but there are some people who are never going to want the smaller machine who will need the bigger the bigger screen. And yes, I'm repeating Glenn's answer because <laughs> <laughs> it's an either-or question. I took them all. Uh, point for admitting it. Mm-hmm. That's it? That's it. I, right. got, I got nothing. <laughs> all right, Dan Morin. I say the MacBook Pros do. Well, no, I think it ends up exactly where the iPod Classic ends up, right in the ditch yard. Wait, they still make the iPod Classic? Hold on, I changed my answer. I don't think. No, I mean, so the MacBook Air, it's it's a hot machine. As we all know, hot air rises. So therefore, the ascendancy of the MacBook Boom. Air will continue. Um, it seems a no-brainer that eventually every MacBook that, that Apple makes will look like the MacBook Air. They'll be thin. They'll be sleek. They may have some more power under the hood. I think, you know, just because you want more storage doesn't mean they won't be able to fit more storage in a, in a slimmed-down MacBook Pro at some point there. Um, but it seems pretty unquestionable to me that, that the MacBook Pros are going to look just like the MacBook Airs. I'm giving a definitive answer. All right. He pointed, by the way. So that was very definitive. <laughs> Andy and Otko. Uh, the MacBook Pro is doomed in the sense that everything that Apple ever makes is doomed because they're, they keep reinventing, they keep redoing things. And also, time is, 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 is fleeting. Uh, we're all on a, on a, on a ticking time bomb uh, card <laughs> careening towards death. Uh, really, nothing we do in any given day has of any significance or meaning. Uh, so, yes, we're all doomed, and MacBook Pro is certainly included in there. Oh, wow. However... <laughs> Happy holidays, everyone! <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody! Uh, but the MacBook Air is more uh, is being overstated. It's a, it's a it's like a smart car, meaning that great little device. It's great if you don't have a whole lot of money to spend on like a big car. Boom. You certainly would not own it as the only car you own. It would be something you have in addition to the big real car that you also have. So until the MacBook Air can really take the place of the MacBook Pro, and remember that the MacBook Pro can take the place of a desktop, MacBook Pro is, is, has a pretty secure place in the product line. Let's check the scores. Philip Michaels is now in the lead with 25. Right behind him, tied for second, Dan Morin and Andy Anatko. And Glenn Fleischman, only two points behind them. So all to play for. Boy, you're yeah. kicking yourself about not saying less Moonviz now, aren't you? This is Tim. Tim Cook told analysts in October that Apple's going to sell a record number of iPhones this quarter. Please, panelists, make a similarly bold prediction about something that will happen in 2012. And let's start with Philip Michaels. The Mac Pro is dead, finished, kaput. It's yesterday's news. And it's going to be replaced by the iMac Pro, which will be a an iMac geared at pro users, as the name implies. Boom. Ah, uh, that that is bold. That is bold. You said bold, Dan Morin. 
Uh, well, I mean, you know, when I first looked at this question, I thought, well, bold. I mean, is it really bold for Apple to say that they're going to sell more iPhones this holiday season than ever when they've just released a new iPhone? I think that's sort of a foregone conclusion. I think they're very confident about it, and that's why they're saying it. But I think that's like basically saying that, you know, next year Apple will release an iPad 3 and sell a bajillion of them. I think that that's a, it's pretty much a sure thing. So so why, you know, why you're really right. focus on it? You, you're questioning this entire question. Uh, the premise of this question, which Philip Michaels wrote, so Phil loses a point. Continue. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's basically. I think that's that's where it goes. It's it's kind of it's, next year is a, in so many ways. It's it's foregone conclusions. So I think the iPad three will be a big seller for them. I think the App Store will crest you know x hundred thousand downloads, probably seven hundred thousand, eight hundred thousand at that point, and and things will keep going as they are trending upwards. That bold. That wasn't that bold, Andy. No. I would predict a $349 iPad. Uh, Apple's hitting a lot of competition, not only from Amazon with the Fire for $199, but now also uh, with the uh, with the uh, uh, with the uh, uh, Barnes and Noble Nook, which is also chasing the chasing the bottom line at $199, selling really really well. They're going to feel more pressure to get the price of the uh, iPad down because consumers are going to realize that, that most of them don't really need something as big uh, as an iPad. Also, by suppre- by lowering the price of the iPad, uh, that gives them some wiggle room to introduce an iPad 3 or an iPad 4 with the technologies that they probably can't put in there and still maintain a $499 price point. It will allow them to do like a higher definition display for $599 as the minimum buy-in with the justification that, hey, we st- we, we, the minimum buy-in is now not $499, it's now $349 instead. So whether that actually articulates itself, the three forty nine dollar model, as an iPad two with a with a price drop, or an iPad three with a lower price or a slightly lower price at the at the very end of the year, I don't know. But I think we're going to see a price drop on the iPad. All right, Glenn Fleischman. Well, <clears throat> I think I'm going to make a, a bold prediction that ten dot eight when it's announced will actually have the thing that we've all been uh, hoping wouldn't happen, which is true locked Mac App Store sandboxing. I'm not saying. I'm actually not saying it's going to happen. I'm just making the bold prediction that that's, that's something that could be a bold prediction. Because as we know, Apple likes control, and they you've, love... You've, you've confused me. I don't know what number I'm going to press now. <laughs> oh, look, it's a minus one. <laughs> I should have left well enough alone. The, the other bold prediction I'm going to make is that Apple has to change its naming scheme because they've used up all the major families of big cats, and they'd have to either call it uh, the Clouded Leopard or the uh, African Jaguar next. So that's my second prediction. Wasn't that, There was already a Jaguar. Well, but they say running out of names. They run out of names. There are no more major families. So they're geniuses. Jaguar with a hat on. It's a, hat. a jaguar. Fisher cat. Lion with a fetching Ocelot. pair of brogues. Ocelot's good. Uh, Bear tuft, cat. Tufted ear cat or something like that. Yeah. All right. Sleepy tabby. <laughs> Next. My 10-year-old daughter is going to middle school in 2012. And a lot of her peers are going to be getting cell phones as a part of that transition. I know it seems insane, and yet it is happening. I look to my tech journalism colleagues for all my parenting advice, as you do. (laughs) So tell me, colleagues, what tech products should I get my daughter for her elementary school graduation next June? Glenn Fleischman. Well, first of all, don't listen to anything Andy and Dan says. They don't have kids. They can't make any reasonable suggestions. Our minds are uncluttered. Exactly. <laughs> That's good fighting. Well, we have, we have gotta, slept. It's going to start with the trash talk. And second, I say give her a set of noise-canceling headphones that have the ability to set or have a self-limiting volume maximum because the biggest problem the current generation of children are going to have is they're going to be completely deaf by the time they're 20 and we're going to have to yell at them for the rest of our lives more than we yell at them today. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Glenn, anyway. Glenn, what was that? Could you speak up? <laughs> so, yeah, well, you'll find out when you read the transcript later, Dan. <laughs> I, ca- I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> Lols to you. Dan Warren, your answer. Um, now, Jason, you could just give her an iPhone or an iPod Touch, sure, but you love your daughter. You want her to understand that, that not everything in the world is going to be easy or, or well-made. <laughs> things, things don't come. There are challenges in life. Uh, things are frustrating. You know, not everything's an Apple product. So I'd get her a BlackBerry Playbook. Plus, you can pick one up for a song. <laughs> oh, stop right there. Philip Michaels. I, you know... Uh, Dan Morin is very dismissive when he says you could get her an iPod Touch. You should get her an iPod Touch. Let me tell you why. My niece is currently in um, junior high. She has a phone, 
and it is basically attached to her fingers as she texts all her friends and racks up texting charges that are eating into her college fund. Keep that iPhone away from her as long as possible, my friend Jason, because with the iPod Touch, not only does she have iMessage at her disposal, which is totally free to message to other iOS device users, there are a number of free texting apps she can download, saving her and more importantly, you, a bundle. Very nice. Andy Anatko. Uh, I would say go to Makershed and get the Getting Started with Arduino kit. Uh, this is a kit with an Arduino board that will let her get started with not only programming but also building things electronically. One of the most wonderful things you can teach a kid early on is the ability to make things that they want to have. Uh, the first time that they even just Collect a 555 IC timer to a battery and an LED and make it blink and know that this didn't exist before you yourself put this stuff together. That's real power, man. And when you give them something like an Arduino kit that will let them do things like, gee, it really would be nice if this lamp were able to turn on and off depending on uh, what my e- how many messages are in my email box. Or even just the idea of this is a cool toy. It would be even cooler if those lights at the top of it actually blinked when the thing was turned on. She will learn how to do things like that. It's a good starter kit. Uh, I think there is uh, – I think it's breadboarding so that they don't even need to learn how to solder. But, hey – well, the, the, the sooner the sooner the kids learn a respect for both high wattage tools and serious ability to get yourself burned with some degree burns in your fingertips, it'll toughen you up for, for life in the future, even better than the BlackBerry Playbook will. Thank you all for your advice. I'll take it under advisement. Let's check the scores. Philip Michaels still in the lead. He is uh, he is putting uh, the rest of you to shame, quite honestly. Dan Morin, not too far behind him within shouting distance, tied with Andy Anako, still locked up, and Glenn Fleischman trails just a few points behind. So, <sighs> so it's still all to play for with our last two questions. This is a tricky one. Please answer it correctly. Sometimes I think tech analysts use a magic eight ball to predict the future. So using only a phrase found on a magic eight ball, tell me, will Apple's 2012 be as successful as its 2011? Glenn Fleischman. Well, I shook the ball and it said, outlook not so good. And I wanted to first think this meant it was talking about Apple, but then I realized Microsoft makes a product called Outlook, and it's not so good. So what I think this indicates is that Windows Phone 7 will not be the incredible success that Steve Ballmer has been telling us it's going to be. I think Windows Phone 7 and the Windows 8 and Metro will be also RANs, and the Apple will continue its dominance in 2012. Thank you very much. Andy Anatko. Uh, I shook it and said, concentrate and ask again. Uh, because I don't think 2011 Apple, <laughs> Apple was like that lead race car where all the cars behind it happened to crash <laughs> into each other, giving it basically a free lap while they cleared, got, while they cleared I've got the a sound effect for that. <laughs> yes. Okay, go ahead. So it's, it, they had, they had a really great year and that was due to all the decisions they made, but it's also due to the fact that nobody was ready to compete with Apple 2012, pretty much every facet of their business, they've got a good phone competitor lined up. They got a really good multiple tablet competitors lined up. They even got people who are starting to figure out how to make devices like the MacBook Air. They're not really good right now, but I think they'll start to crack those problems in the middle of the year. So I think that they're really going to have to figure out how much of today's uh, of this year's success was due to their own uh, good ideas or how much of it was due to other companies' bad ideas. Excellent. Dan Morin, tell me, with your eight ball, will 2012 be as successful as 2011 for Apple? It is decidedly so. <laughs> he actually shook a pretend magic eight I ball. I did. Is I'm, that it? I'm committed. I'm method. <laughs> hey, it just said answer that with the question. Yeah. He's got I mean, the I, can, I, can, I can tell you. It's, I, I mean, oh, yes, what is there left fair. to say, Jason? It Physical is decidedly image. so. There is no question. They get a point extra for following the, uh, following yeah. the question. Phil? Well, my my... Magic 8-Ball isn't as wordy as Glenn's and will actually answer the question about Apple as opposed to Microsoft. So signs point to yes. Excellent work. You all, Figure or ground, Phil. Figure or ground. You all, you all basically answered it properly, which I, honestly I would never have bet that that would have happened. All right. Moving on to the last question before we go to defend the indefensible and crown a, crown a victor. 
Um, above all else, we will remember 2011 as the year Steve Jobs passed away. And I'd like each of you to share with me um, your favorite Steve Jobs moment ever. Philip Michaels, let's start with you. Well, um, I, I know most of my colleagues are gonna are gonna uh, pick very inspiring stories as well. They should. Steve Jobs, a very inspiring man. I'm I'm more of a uh, full portrait of the man uh, uh, kind of guy. So the story that I um, come back to time and time again uh, was the time that um, he was at Atari and was asked to uh, create the. Uh, breakout circuit board, and he and he tapped his good friend Steve Wozniak to to do a lot of the heavy lifting, and uh, to together to split that seven hundred dollar uh, uh, prize that that Atari offered. Unfortunately, it was a five thousand dollar prize. So Woz got his three hundred and fifty, and and Steve Jobs pocketed the rest. An inspiring man, a uh, 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 a very creative man, but at the end, a guy who also wanted to make a buck just like anyone. And, that's, I think, an important point to remember. All right. Dan Morin? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of options here. You could pick the introduction of the Macintosh, the moment Steve came back to Apple, or maybe the time he hurled a digital camera into the audience during a presentation. But I, I would really have to just pick a personal moment, which was when I first came to Macworld Expo in uh, 2005, I think it was. Uh, or sorry, 2006, and I just came down the stairway into the uh, expo hall after seeing his presentation for the first time live, and I happened to cross paths with the man and his entourage. And uh, when I swooped around to just take a little picture, he actually looked at me and he, he gave me a little nod and a smile. And it was just a very personal moment, and I really wanted that old guy to get out of the way so I could take a picture of him, <laughs> except the old guy was Andy Grove, so uh, that would have been rude. <laughs> Extra point for Andy Grove. Andy and Otko. Uh, I think I got. I have to go with the introduction of the iPhone, the, that whole event, because it really summarized everything that I love about him and everything that sometimes infuriated everybody else about him. You could see – whenever you see a CEO release a new device – Oftentimes, there's a certain amount of, okay, we got to get through this on the public face of the company, demo, 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 introduce this, whatever this butthead is. I think he's an engineer, so whatever. Let's introduce him. I don't know, pronounce the name. Who cares? He was really filled with pride about this entire device. He was happy to be there. He was, this is the day that I've been pointing to for three, four, five years as this thing was in development. Uh, there was a smile and a smirk on his face that also just, just summarizes the yes. You guys would never, ever have been able to take a company like Apple the way it was when I took it over and turn it in such short time into a company that could build a device like this. I rule! And it was really just a wonderful moment. And then he brought out the singular guy to sort of underscore the <laughs> Where are you today? Uh, yes. talk is still, still reading, going on. Still reading his index cards. <laughs> He's in a box on. somewhere. I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> to read his report on the solar system. I am being well fed and cared for. <laughs> Here's today's newspaper. <laughs> He's in the same room as John Rubenstein talking about processor cycles. Glenn Fleischman, what's your answer? Steve well, Jobs all of my answers memory. were stolen, so I'm going to pick a different moment, which is the closest I ever was to Steve Jobs. I never met him, but at the iPod, uh, iPad introduction uh, over uh, almost two years ago now, when we were all in that rushed in that room, where we actually got to spend a lot of time touching the iPad prototypes. And Jason, I know you were there. Dan, I know you were there. Andy, uh, Phil, I don't know where the heck you were. And uh, we were all touching these iPads and working. And uh, there's that moment where Steve, you know, looking at this guy and wondering what his health's like, and just sort of thinking thinking about the amazing, the, the magicalness that he'd created. This was this device that cool. I never actually believed any computer maker in this, you know, the 21st century might even make. And it's like, here it is in front of you. And Walt Mossberg is sitting there, hiked himself up onto one of the lit tables they're using for <laughs> demos and is haranguing Steve Jobs. And you can see Jobs going, I wish I could just say, Walt, get the hell off my table. <laughs> Thank you, Glenn. I have to admit that was a little bit of a pity hallelujah because you're not making the final. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap up the scores before we go to defend the indefensible. Uh, in first place with a massive 35 points is, oh no, a massive 40 points is Philip what? Michaels. Holy 40 cow. points for Philip Michaels. Uh, with 36 points, Dan Morin. With 36 points, Andy Anatko, and with uh, 33 points, 
Glenn Fleischman. That includes the pity, the pity three. Thank uh, you for the all right, so we are going to move along to defend the indefensible. And yes, we will have three contestants in defend the indefensible. Has this ever been done before, Jason? Uh, yes, one time we had four contestants. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that answered that all question. Right. Way the, to go, Glenn. Let, let me. Oh, spoiled oh. the moment. Oh, Glenn gets an extra point for that. He's still not in the final. <laughs> So, let me explain to our listeners, who all five of them who are still with us, uh, how this works. I'm going to make a statement. When I say this, when I say I, I mean the person who is who I'm speaking to. They need to agree vociferously, strongly with the statement that I make. Um, it's going to be something horrible, and yet you still must agree with me. Um, the best job by my uh, decision will be our winner. Philip Michaels, you had the most points. Would you like to go first, second, or third? I will go third. And who would you like to go first, Dan or Andy? (laughs) I I would like Andy to go first. All right. Andy Anatko, you will have 30 seconds to defend this statement. Any beloved Mac columnist who would praise the Kindle Fire is a traitor who should be shunned by the Apple community just as the Amish would shun someone. Go ahead. I absolutely believe that you should shun anybody who would defend the Kindle Fire because it has one absolutely unforgivable defect. You turn it over, what does it say? K-I-N-D-L-E. There's no goddamn Apple logo anywhere on that. And as we all know, if it doesn't have an Apple logo, it's a complete piece of crap. You should just... Feed it to the damn Wolverines, but he'd spit it out because a Wolverine has more common sense than a columnist who would recommend a goddamn Kindle Fire. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, we got the volume there. Points for volume. <laughs> Points for volume. Uh, Dan Morin, here is your statement that you need to agree with for, for, for 30 seconds. I'm tired of this East Coast bias. The West Coast is the best coast. You know what, Jason? That's damn well true. I'm out here in California. The weather is lovely. It's nice all year round here. At home, it snows. I have to go everywhere and tromp through that. I have to get my boots on, my coats on. And just let's just face it. The people at the West Coast, they're better looking than the people at the East Coast. And, you know, I would love to count myself among that number. All right. And uh, Philip Michaels, here is your question to round this episode out. Jason Snell has done such a good job hosting the Macworld Pundit Showdown (laughs) that he should permanently replace the regular host, who is terrible. Well, that's absolutely true. Um, The the regular host has a weird nasal voice. He goes off on weird tangents. He laughs at his own jokes. I hate people who do that. Whereas Jason has really kept this this podcast moving. Uh, He hasn't freaked out when the last two contestants cursed and will make him uh, edit out those responses in the the post-production. And uh, I think that he's doing a top-notch job and also the – uh, the the other guy is 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 handsome and will be able to do uh, get on with his own life. Wow, difficult difficult decision. Um, but I'm gonna have to go with uh, because Andy swore. I have to go with Philip Michaels. Philip Michaels yes! is is your winner. Let it, be, let it be known, I'm being penalized for keeping it real. Yes, you are. But it's entirely unfair. I've, I've always Don't been work known blue, for keeping Andy, it real. It's such a waste of your talent. <laughs> I'm keeping it real. Yeah, you were keeping. I'm it real. I'm keeping it real. And, and you know uh, what? The, the realness is what you're you're, you're acting negatively. Macworld to. pundit showdown is inherently unfair. I learned that from its true host. Philip Michaels. <laughs> so until next time, we want to wish everybody a happy new year. I want to thank my contestants, Dan Morin, Philip Michaels, Andy Anatko, and who was the who was the fourth one? Glenn Fleischman. Oh, That's right. That's right. Thank you. Mention. Thank you, gentlemen, for being here. Uh, happy New Year, everybody. We'll see you in 2012. Thanks for listening to the Macworld Pundit Showdown. Until next time, this is Jason Snell signing off. <laughs> <laughs>